and welcome to another episode of the DBSG podcast, the weekly Bible study podcast that explores different issues of the Bible and Christianity with a touch of science and astronomy as well. So uh, this episode, we'll be focusing on the second part of our episode from last week, where we discussed the Revelation 12 sign. So uh, before we start, my name is Brother Ralph. And with us is Brother Fred. Say hi, Brother Fred. <clears throat> Hello, everyone, and God bless you all. And we each week explore different issues from a very Christian point of view. For those who are seeking to become more Christian or seeking to make themselves right with God, or just to learn a little bit more about the Bible from a different perspective, this podcast is a platform that we use to explore that and to talk about different things, especially as they relate to that. So today we're talking about an issue that's more close to the end of days. You know, as uh, some believe, we are seeing signs that we are getting closer and closer to the time that we're going to start seeing what has been described in Revelations. So uh, in preparation for that, um, you know, many people now are preparing their souls and preparing themselves for that to take place. And that preparation comes from the guidance of the Bible, which we'll be discussing today. So um, in particular, we started discussing the Revelation 12 sign last week and uh, talking about the church age. And today we're going to continue that. And Brother Fred will tell us where we're going to be led in terms of uh, that particular discussion. So uh, Brother Fred, just a little bit of an intro to what we'll be discussing today as the part two of our discussions on the Revelation 12 sign. Thank you, Brother Rob, for that wonderful introduction to uh, get us rolling. My mental juices are flowing. I can feel the spirit all <laughs> over us in this process. So thank you, Father God, for guiding us, giving us the words to speak. These are not our words, dear Lord. These are your words, your knowledge, what you want your people to know. So last week, we started with talking about uh, Revelation 12. Revelation 12, 1 said, there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. And while that sounds very poetic in the middle of Revelations, I can guarantee you it had a very stern and important meaning to it. We discussed what that was in the previous podcast. So if you haven't heard it, please tune in and listen to that. It was simply amazing, the message that God gave us, because not only did the Revelation 12 sign occur, it, it occurred on a on the same day that a previous jubilee, which occurs every 50 years in the Jewish nation, a celebration of feast, of them uh, paying recognition and giving homage and love and respect to the land that God gave them. So it's a healing time for them. It's a time of owning up and saying we're thankful for what we have. And every Jubilee, since time began, they all end with the seven. Um, God has always done something amazing for the nation of Israel. And on September 23rd, 2017, September 23rd, marked a serious milestone in uh, several Jubilees ago, many Jubilees ago, that allowed Israel to get their land back. So, I, you know, we always, you know, we felt last week when we were doing our talk that God was basically telling Israel happy birthday on September 23rd, 2017, when he had made 
when he allowed this great revelation 12 sign to appear in the heavens. So when I say the heavens, you know, first heaven is considered earth, second heaven is outer space, and third heaven is heaven heaven. So whenever you say, hear me say heaven heaven, I'm talking about third heaven. Uh, second heaven is always outer space and first heaven is earth. So our focus last week obviously was on heaven heaven, but since I haven't been to heaven heaven, Rob hasn't been to heaven, heaven, and a lot of you haven't been to heaven, heaven, and if you've been there to visit, God bless you. I envy you. I would love to go, even if it's just for a five-second visit into heaven, and one day we'll all be worthy to be there with Jesus forever and not just to visit and come back here, but um, since we haven't been there, my perspective is from what I've seen in second heaven, which obviously is being manifested from third heaven. Uh, and it affects us here on this earth today to prepare us because we are in, and you hear your grandmother used to say it all the time when we were growing up, honey, we are in our last days. Honey, we're <laughs> getting close here now. Oh, honey, and the preachers and mainly the older population were always saying it when I was a kid. What do you mean we're in our last days? What's going to happen? Where are we going? Are we going to, you know, SeaWorld or where are we going? <laughs> are we going on vacation or what's happening here? We've seen it in in movies where you got the guy and there's always some hobo looking guy hanging up a sign the, the earth is ending soon <laughs> the earth is ending. and i was listening to a pastor on youtube just recently and he brought up a good point the earth is a disposable planet it's a disposable planet even the Bible says it. If you go into Revelation, it, it, it tells you in other scriptures as well that the earth is going to go away and there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. So even God is telling us that the earth is a disposable planet. What's going to happen in 400 million years? Our sun is going to burn out. Once that happens, the earth is gone. We're not going to make it that far before Jesus returns. Listener, if you're listening to me, you don't have to wait 400 million years. It's not going to take that long for Jesus to return. I think his return is very imminent. And based on the information that God gave me, that I'm going to give you in tonight's discussion, I think you're going to agree with us, Brother Rob and I, that Jesus' return is very imminent. It said we may not know the day or the hour. But it did not say that we, it did say that we would know the season, okay? We would know the season. And it also states that it's up for kings and queens to seek the knowledge. And just like any loving child, you let your children know certain knowledge. Why wouldn't God let us know certain knowledge? The reason is, yes, he would. He's a loving God. But he also wants us to understand we don't have time to waste. If God wasn't coming back for another million years, if Jesus wasn't returning for another million years, yeah, we would still have saints doing what they're supposed to do, right? But at the pace, breakneck pace we're going now, because everybody on this planet can feel something's not right. And these something not rights is what we're about to discuss right now. So if we go further into Revelation 12, I already mentioned 12.1 was, and there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. 12.2, and she being with child cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. Three, and there appeared another wonder in heaven. 
heaven meaning second heaven. And behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. And four, and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. That tells you right there. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And then it goes into five after that. So the fact that this red dragon drew the third part of the stars of heaven, second heaven, and did cast them to the earth foretells, even though that's very poetic and flowery, that something is going to hit this earth. And I know everybody says, ah, we have meteors and stuff hit this earth all the time and we're still here. Well, there's a reason why we're still here because it wasn't for, it wasn't time on God's timeline for anything worse to happen to man, but that's going to change. Because if you look at the great tribulation, uh, Daniel's timeline, the great tribulation period, those seven years, God is gonna pour out his wrath upon this planet. And I'm gonna talk a little bit more about that in the next lesson. So without any further ado, let's dig a little bit into this lesson. And I'm gonna start by, um, talking about some things that are occurring on this planet, natural disasters. So on first heaven, which is earth, uh, there's always been natural disasters that's been occurring since time began. And whenever I talk to somebody about the natural disasters, they always give me the same song. Well, there's always been earthquakes, there's always been hurricanes, there's always been volcanic eruptions. So what? Well, proof of we're heading someplace special as far as natural disasters. The earth, the travailing pain, it talks about um, Revelation 2, and she being with child cried travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. The earth right now is feeling the birth pains of what is to occur, and that's Daniel's timeline, the great tribulation. Even the earth is paying homage and respect to what God is about to do. So how do I know that to be true? Let's go into USGS, which uh, monitors earthquakes. And earthquakes with a magnitude minimum of 2.5. If you look at 1970 to 1980, there were 61,382 earthquakes. 1980 to 1990, 102,221. 1990 to 2000, there were 172,031. 2000 to 2010, there were 262,203. And from 2010 to 2020, there were 267,130. So since 1970, earthquakes have continually rose in the number and the magnitude. So that not tells you, what's that? That's not a good sign. That's not a good sign. It's not a good sign. It's not, it really isn't. It, it really isn't. And there's a lot of people dying and these earthquakes, you see it on the news all the time. And we minimize it. You know why we minimize it so much, Brother Rob? Because it's happening so frequently. 
It happens so much that we get used to hearing about it, so we don't think it's no big deal. But that, that, the numbers I just gave you is from the USGS for earthquakes. They monitor earthquakes, and that's from their website. This is not something that I'm making up. So maybe they got it wrong. Why, did, why would they want to lie about it? I don't know. So it's not benefiting them to say, oh, we're having more earthquakes now. Every decade, the number is going up. I don't think they're making this stuff up. I think they're reporting out what they're seeing. And right. these, are, these are just a 2.5 and higher. All right. There's some that are smaller than that. I'm sure that'll raise all these numbers significantly. Next is tornadoes. In 1952, there were 240 tornadoes reported in the U.S. of A. That's in 1952. From 1978, right around that time period, it was 789. That number almost tripled. 2011, 1,692. So tornadoes are going up as well. Once again, they are, you know, the, in the NOAA, the National, uh, whatever, NOAA. NOAA. What's NOAA. NOAA? National Association That's of Oceanic. Oceanic, National, yeah. Noah, look on their website. Noah. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's this is there. You can find maps. Yeah, they're the uh, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. Yes, them. I <laughs> <laughs> they say it? Yes, them too. <laughs> so look it up on their website. Don't take my word for it. All this information that I'm giving you right now, I'm taking from these websites, from these organizations. Uh, volcanic eruptions also has increased since uh, I went back as far as 1995, and the, the total number of eruptions is, co is consistently increasing uh, over the decades. Hurricanes, we all know about those. In 1851, there were six storms in the Atlantic. In 1851, only six. In 2018, there were 15 storms. And when I say storms, we're talking about ones where they had to give a name to them because they were definitely hitting land somewhere and causing some problems. Uh, of all the storms that were out there, if you look at um, the websites that track these, they're probably, I'm looking at maybe, I don't know, 30 to 40 that may have occurred uh, last year and we only heard about the worst ones but i do remember hearing i'm not sure if you uh, remember this too brother rob that they ran out of names so they had to go and use. yeah that, that happened last year yeah 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 this year has also started early with uh hurricane well, not hurricane but i think there was a storm system called ana that they were they are observing right now so they've uh the season actually started much earlier than normal so if you look at the international uh, disaster data, database that's ran by MDAT for 2020. Um, it, it talks about our world and data, and it gives you all sorts of wonderful statistics. Do your own research, but the one chart that I'm looking at starts at 1900, and it goes all the way to 2019. So from 1900 to 2019, we went from barely zero in 1900 to over 400 natural disasters occurring in 2019. 
I'm not sure what the percentage of increase that is, but that's off the charts. So what I'm telling you, listener, Brother Rob already knows this, the world is, something is affecting the world. And I'm sorry, I don't believe that us smoking cigarettes and driving around in these BMWs and driving in these Ram trucks and having these factories that's putting out all this pollution is causing all these natural disasters. Global warming caused by us may cause some of the atmospheric things to occur. Some of those, yes, I agree. But scientists trying to pin everything we just talked about on global warming, the fact that we're destroying the ozone layer, I'm not buying it because most of the earthquakes occur below the ocean floor. So five, three, four, five miles down in the ocean, on the floor of the ocean where earthquakes are occurring, Teutonic plate shifts, deep in some mountain, Teutonic plate shifts. How is global warming? How is, you know, that affecting earth plates deep, some miles deep under the ground? I, I, it's not doesn't make sense to me. So, you know, they tell people part of the truth and then leave the rest out there and people just don't want to go any further and say, oh yeah, they're right. The world is being destroyed because of global warming, because of us. Well, let me let you on to something. There was one uh, geologist who stated that even if the whole world went quote unquote green right now, and this was, I don't, I don't know, this was years ago he said this, but if we all went green right now, the whole world, we still wouldn't be able to save this planet. We're already past the tipping point. And I know that the governments don't want to come out and tell us the truth because they don't want panic, widespread panic. But it is the truth. And you hear them leak the information all the time. But they're not going to come out as a whole you know, NASA and NOAA and our government as a whole and say, well, we're, you know, we're really kind of screwed, guys. <laughs> but you don't have to. The Bible already said it. It says it all over the Bible. If you go into the Bible, it talks about the pending demise of this planet and mankind. It talks about it in detail, okay? Now, some of it when John and others Ezekiel, when they were given these visions, the time that they lived in, they didn't have, uh, they didn't know what a nuclear missile was. They didn't know some of the technologies we were going to have today. So the descriptions that they gave was based on the limited language and information and technology that they had. But if you look at it from our viewpoint, it, it's very clear some of the things that's going to happen. Uh, Revelation 12, 4, and, he, and his tail drew the third part of the stars in heaven and did cast them to the earth. That sounds to me like meteor strikes. That's what it sounds like to me. What do you think, Brother Rob? Yeah, it could be. <clears throat> and that's the closest thing that you have. And I think it's the closest thing we've ever seen. So, you know, based on what we know to be true, I think that would certainly be what I would suspect. I put the question out there. So let me, let me back it up. Why do I think um, we're talking about uh, meteor strikes? So I'll tell you why. NASA put the 
Hubble Space Telescope, and they're not going to come out and tell you this, but this is one of the reasons why they did put it up there. They put the Hubble Space, and well, we all know that they did this. They put the Hubble Space Telescope out there in space to keep an eye on what's going on. All right, we now have a new space agency that uh, President Donald Trump uh, put, it, put, put together. And their job is to protect us, if they can, from some of these near-Earth objects that are whizzing past us. And do you know, listener, Brother Rob, that since the uh, Hubble Space Telescope, which I believe went up in the, in the uh, uh, I don't know, 60s, 70s, and all these other satellites and telescopes they got on this Earth and up in space, they've only been able to map in what, uh, 40 years, 50 years, only a little less than a, a tenth of our galaxy. So they don't really know what's going on. And they always prove it from time to time. Every now and then, something will go whizzing past us. And I'm not talking about no little tiny rock the size of a baseball, because they wouldn't even mention that. But something big enough that if it hit us, would mess us up. And they'll say, oh, such and such just whizzed right past us. It was a rock that weighed 50 tons, and it was hauling at around 23,000 kilometers per, per hour or whatever they'll say. They didn't even know it was coming. There's stuff that's out there in this planet that's in the uh, asteroid belt uh, right near Mars, in the Kuiper belt out at the edge of our solar system. There are hundreds of trillions of rocks and debris and stuff that's out there that gets sucked into our galaxy by no other from many different things from other celestial bodies that's around us one of them that's pulling stuff into our galaxy is is jupiter jupiter itself the gravitational pull of jupiter is bringing a lot of long range satellites or meteors into from the uh, uh, Oort cloud or Kuiper belt out there and pulling it into our universe and slingshotting it at the sun. And some of those things are whizzing right past us. And we've been very fortunate that we haven't gotten hit with anything major, even though scientists have already come out and stated that, well, what wiped out the dinosaurs that they prove existed was a large meteor strike. And if one of those type of meteor strikes hits us again, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be very interesting time for man. And I'm going to talk about a few of those so, quote unquote, near Earth objects in, in, in a short uh, time period here. But before we continue with that, I want to talk a little bit about Jupiter, because I know everybody wants to believe in this creationism or uh, however... Uh, um, the Earth was, uh, and even our galaxy and even the universe was formed. So where did our beautiful planet come from and others? The Bible tells us that Jupiter and other heavenly objects was created on day four of creation week. That's in Genesis uh, 1, 14 through 19. But evolutionary astronomers do go out of their way to deny the biblical account. They claim that Jupiter was formed by natural processes about 4.6 billion years ago. But unfortunately for them, a lot of that doesn't hold muster. 
It doesn't hold muster. It really doesn't. And why is that? Well, the standard evolutionary explanation for our solar system um, is that it, uh, after the Big Bang, there was a swirling cloud of uh, gas and dust. That was about 4.6 billion years ago. It collapsed into a, a large disk. And then the dust condensed into grains that, struck to, that stuck together and became small rocks. Those small rocks stuck together to become larger rocks. But a, a problem with their theory is that the faster moving rocks are more likely to bounce off of each other rather than stick. So they said, okay, according to evolutionists, the rocky planets like Venus and Earth formed when those large rocks uh, were pulled together. However, when you look at gas giants, Jupiter and Saturn are gas giants. And they were trying to say, well, Jupiter and Saturn form initially in the same way. But not so because of these reasons. They call it the, uh, the core accretion model. The core accretion model. So what I just gave you is the definition of the core accretion model. So the core accretion model has four fatal problems, Brother Rob. The first problem is um, the Galileo, I believe it was the Galileo spacecraft in the mid-90s, I believe, uh, dropped down into Jupiter's atmosphere. And evolutionists, well, Jupiter is the largest planet in our solar system. And it's about, uh, you could fit a roughly 1,300 Earths inside of Jupiter. Its mass is 2.5 times that of all the planets in our galaxy combined. So yeah. where did this beautiful planet come from? I mean, the Bible talks about it in day four of creation week that you know, the heavenly objects and bodies were formed. And evolutionary astronomers, of course, denied this account that, you know, God did all this. And the theory they came up with was um, the core accretion model that I was talking about earlier. Now, there are some problems with this core accretion theory that they came up with. And I'm going to go over four of these. There's probably more. Um, when the Galileo, I believe it's the Galileo spacecraft in the 90s, went down into Jupiter's atmosphere. And these scientists were shocked to find out that there were high amounts of different types of gases. Um, argon, xenon, and other gases. But what didn't make sense to them, based on their model, the, the core accretion model, was the volume, the, the high concentration. The high concentrations of these gases that they found totally destroys their theory of core accretion. Okay, it, to it totally destroys it. And I'm going to go over that as to why by going over some of the other problems with their model. So the core accretion model uh, dictates that a planet, even if it's a gaseous one or a gas giant, will have to have a large rocky core, right? So that means Jupiter, for the accretion model to be true, Jupiter will have to have a rocky core that's probably, I don't know, 20 to 30 times as much as the mass on the Earth. But 
the spacecraft, the Galileo spacecraft, discovered that Jupiter's core wasn't that large, not even close. At most, I think they stated it was only about the size of six Earths, or maybe not even there at all, because they couldn't get close enough because of the gravitational pull and all the storms and the mighty winds and everything else that's going on on Jupiter. Um, but from what they've seen, they, they know enough to know that um, the core accretion model can't be true for those two reasons. And a third reason is for their model to be accurate concerning Jupiter, you would need roughly 10 million years for enough rocks and gases to accumulate. However, the problem with that 10 million year theory and some scientists even say several hundred million years. But the problem with their theory is other scientists have proven that such a disk or planet would have dissipated in less than 5 million years, leaving basically no time for Jupiter to form. So that's another reason why the accretion model does, the core accretion model doesn't hold muster. And the last point is, let's say that the gas and dust disk lasted long enough, you still wouldn't get a planet the size of Jupiter from it because computer simulations revealed a major problem with the core accretion model. As these uh, giant gas giant planets form within that disk, their gravitational pull between them and the sun and the dust and everything else would have basically pulled those planets inward towards the sun and would have just destroyed them. So both Jupiter and Saturn would have swirled inwards like the water going down the drain until eventually they slammed into the sun. So those four reasons disprove the core accretion model. Scientists know it and they've just been standing there scratching their head but they're not going to come out and tell the world at large that their theories are wrong. They're still teaching these lies. They're still publishing books. They're still doing lectures. You see them on TV, magazines, science videos, and so forth. But they've known, Brother Rob, for a long time that their model isn't true. But they don't want to come out and tell the world at large, we don't know how it formed. And that going into the we don't know how it formed obviously leads back to our creator. Because when you got supergiants like Saturn and Jupiter that defy logic, it defies science, it defies every known technique that we think occurred, then it leads to a bigger truth using Occam's razor that God a powerful being had to make it happen despite all the odds of it not supposedly being there. Amen. What do you think about that, Brother Rob? Well, I think that falls in line with everything that <clears throat> when you're dealing with space, I think at the end of the day, one knows, no one knows for sure outside of, you know, it being God that created the universe, what created the universe if it was something not involving God. So, you know, it kind of falls in line with you know, how things work, but, you know, it's interesting to hear about the theories that people have put forth to try to say that it wasn't creationism that created uh, our solar system. 
And the cool thing about Occam's razor, which basically means the uh, simplest explanation is usually the best one. So when scientists pose all their, oh, it happened this way. Oh, it happened this way. Oh, this probably is how it happened. And time goes on and we start to disprove them as being incorrect when we find out more information starts to point back to a more powerful being, all-knowing, omnipotent, omniscient being who made this all occur. Because one beautiful thing about Jupiter that a lot of people don't know about, Jupiter has saved us from some amazing meteor strikes. You know, some scientists call Jupiter a cosmic shield that uh, they used to think that impacts on Jupiter were rare events. But what they're starting to find out, since we've been sending more probes out there to investigate Jupiter, that it gets hit quite frequently. And a lot of those things being pulled in from the Oort cloud and, uh, you know, past Mars and other areas that would hit us are being snatched up because of Jupiter's massive uh, gravity and pull and not coming our way. We've been very blessed. And in, I'm, I'm telling you now, in second heaven outer space, Ju Jupiter is, is being viewed or compared to as being Jesus for many, yeah. different, many different reasons. One, you got the big red um, storm and that's similar to the piercing in, in Jesus' side by the Roman soldier. You got the, all the bands on Jupiter, which represents the stripes he took for our sins when he was being uh, punished before he was hung on the cross. Um, the fact that when Jesus first came to this planet, he came as a sacrificial lamb. And if all these meteors have been hitting us all this time, then they have been, Jupiter has been acting as the sacrificial lamb in second heaven for us so that we don't take the onslaught of any of these meteors because it only takes one to change everything as we know it. And I'm, I'm going to talk about one of those in a, in a few minutes here. But what's interesting is, and this is something I read, um, Jupiter is now in an orbit where it can't protect be Earth's mighty protector anymore. And based on what I just told you, listener, Brother Rob, what's going to happen when Jesus returns to this planet? The first time he came as the lamb, the second time he's coming as the lion. So don't recall what he's, I don't recall what he's coming back as. He's coming as the lion. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's why they call him the Lion of Judah. He's coming as the Lion. Thus, the tribulation period, Daniel's timeline, the tribulation. He's coming to pour out his wrath. God is going to pour out his wrath on this earth. So it would make sense to me that second heaven would pay respect to that too. So with Jupiter being out of the way because of the orbit that it is in, a lot of meteors are flying our way now. We're seeing an increase of meteors that's flying past the Earth like we've never seen before. One of those meteors is due to come our way in 2029. And what I'm going to do, listener, is I'm going to show you 
exactly how you can find it and look it up for yourself. Because I don't want anybody to go out here and say, well, Brother Fred just made all this up. Brother Rob, both of us have been drinking and having a good time. And none of this is real. <laughs> and we just want to be famous for going out here doing these podcasts and talk a bunch of smack and get people scared. Nah, that ain't the case at all. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you, a listener, exactly how to find it. The first thing you have to do, and Brother Rob, you could do this too while, we're, while I'm explaining. I want you to go ahead and do it so you could pull it up yourself to know what I'm about to give you is real and relevant. So H-T-T-P-S. Mm -hmm. Have it. Was that a backslash, backslash? Yep, colon, backslash, backslash. C-N-E-O-S. C-N-E-O-S. Okay. Dot JPL. Mm -hmm. Dot NASA. N-A-S-A. -A, mm -hmm. Dot gov. Uh-huh. Backslash C-A. Mm -hmm. Backslash. And hit enter. It does not like that. Let me see here. Is it HTP with no S? You have an S. Okay. Yeah, double backslash, right? So you have the uh, uh, colon, double backslash. Yeah. Then C-E-N-O-S. Yep. Period J-P-L. Yep. Period NASA. Yep. Period gov. Yep. Backslash C-A. Yep. And another back backslash. Yes. Okay, it's not a, uh, on my computer, it's not a, uh, liking that uh, address. Sino say program or something at Nissan, uh, NASA or? Yes. What I'm going to do. Okay. Is it, is it S-N-E-O-S instead of S, uh, instead of C-E-N-O-S? Is it C-N-E-O-S? Charlie, November, Echo, Oscar, okay, I found the website. I found the website there. Found it. I found the website. I found the website. Okay. And then, are are you in? Are you in the website now? Yes, I'm at the website now. And you see the NASA Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Yes. California That's Institute of Technology, and you see about orbits, close approaches, impact risks, planetary defense. Yes. Close approaches, and then okay. NEO in the drop-down box. All right. I'm there. Okay. So what you're looking at, it should say NEO Earth Close Approaches mm -hmm. and Close Approach Data. Now, what I want you to do there, Brother Rob and listener, you're going to go to Future Only on the, on the table settings, Future Only. Okay. And... If you go down, this is still a lot of information here. It's processing the data. Right. I'm going to give you a name to put in. So if you go down right before the chart begin to the right side, it has a search object area. Yes. Type in a pulpis. A-P-O-P-H-I-S. A pulpis. Okay. Let's see four of them. Right? Mm-hmm. Now... Apophis is the uh, Apophis is a um, is an Egyptian god who was an enemy of the sun god Ra, 
And the Egyptians have around, I believe, 7,000 different gods. So... Okay. Apophis was discovered in 2004. So if you see under the column, the first column says object. It tells right. you in parentheses when it was discovered in 2004. Now, right next to that, the, the very top one, it says close approach date. That's the next column. April 13th, 2029. Right, I see that. So Apophis's listener, Apophis's trajectory is it passes by the Earth every six to seven years. And April 13th, 2029 is going to be the closest it will ever come to the Earth. If you look at the next column over, it says CA distance. Correct. There's two uh, measurements there. You have LD, lunar distance. You have AU, which is astronomical units. Lunar distance is the distance from the Earth to the moon. AU, astronomical units, is the distance from us to the sun. That's okay. too big of a number for me to work with, so I'm going to work with the LD column. Apophis, when it passes by us on April 13th, 2029, is going to be 0 0.1 zero lunar distance away from us. All right? Point What's zero, that about? Point thousand, one. Is that about like a thousand miles or so? Or? Well, the Earth is 289,000 uh, and, and change away from the oh, Earth. Okay. So about like 29,000. Thank you. So okay. on that date, it's going to be 29,000 miles from the surface of this planet. And wow. people say, whoa, wait a minute. That's pretty <laughs> doggone close. Now, there were, I'm not going to mention any names of these scientists, but there were some scientists, some physicists that came out and said, well, you know, yeah, it is going to zip past us. But what's going to happen is it's going to have what they call a, um, a keystone effect, meaning that it's not going to hit the Earth. It's going to zip past us, but because of this keystone effect, the Earth's orbit is going to affect it to the point that when it is going to change its trajectory. So when it comes back in six or seven years on its next passing, it's definitely going to hit us. I disagree with them. I think they're lying for this reason. 29,000 miles from the surface of this planet is, is part of what we call mid-Earth orbit. So you got a lot of satellites in lower orbit, you got some satellites in mid-Earth orbit, and you probably have very few in high orbit. I'm not sure what percentage is in mid-Earth orbit, but the likelihood of this meteor, and let's go to the far right, size if you look at the size of this thing this thing is is about the size of four football fields oh, uh. <laughs> okay it's about the size of four football fields it's traveling at probably i don't know 23 24 25,000 miles kilometers per hour it's moving at a nice clip and it, it it's about four football fields in size it probably weighs i don't know 40, 50 tons. It's a pretty big boy. Not no <laughs> small rock. 
What's going to happen when this big rock is flying past us at 29,000 uh, miles in mid-Earth orbit? It's going to hit these satellites that's out there. We're going to have a major problem, people. I'm telling you this now. If it hits enough of these satellites, they could change its trajectory and it could hit us. It definitely could hit us. There have been plenty of prophets. I'm not going to get into any of their names, but there's been plenty of prophets. And some of them are even in my family, uh, Brother Rob, because you heard Sister Tiffany talking right. about how she had dreams. There's been other people all over YouTube and other platforms and their churches coming out writing books about it. I personally feel it's going to coincide with Daniel's timeline, the tribulation period. And what I read to you about uh, Revelation 12, 4, and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. I think you're talking about meteor strikes. It may not be a pulpus at the time. There may, there's obviously going to be others involved. But the Bible makes it 100% crystal clear that there's going to be meteor strikes on this planet of some sort. But do you feel the end of times is a like short period? I mean, could this be like a years-long thing in terms of the, when things start to happen? You know, could it be a years-long thing versus what we might envision be just a couple of days at the most? Well, the Bible talks about the uh, different judgments. It's going to be fall man. You got the bold judgments. You got this judgment. You got this happening. So in each of those judgments or whatever's going to happen, it goes into detail talking about exactly what's going to happen. It didn't really give a timeline. In some places, it did give a timeline, like one of the things that's going to occur when the rapture occurs, there's going to be darkness over this planet for three days. Okay. So what could cause, listener, everybody saw the great eclipse in August, uh, what was that, 2018, Brother Rob? We had that great eclipse in August where, you know, the moon blotted out the sun or whatever it was, and we had that darkness right. across the U.S. for, I don't know, a short time period. That's one thing. Imagine no sunlight penetrating the Earth's atmosphere for three days. Total darkness for three days. What could cause darkness to settle over the Earth for three days? Well, what do you think, Brother Rob? What do you, what do you think could possibly cause darkness for three days? Well, it doesn't feel to be some type of, some type of, uh, well, a planet or some type of other, I don't know, asteroid or object blocking our view our view of the sun basically coming in between our the orbit of the sun and the earth directly absolutely and do you know how big that would have to be to block out the sunlight yeah. for being that'd able be to what? hit the earth for three days that'd be about what 10 jupiters or something or? you're talking about something that's five to eight times the size of Jupiter. Yeah. 
to block out the sun for three days. On top of that, probably what's going to be occurring at the same time are massive earthquakes. If massive earthquakes start popping off all over the planet, because now, if listener, I'm going to start tying some thoughts together for you. So we already talked about the natural disasters that are occurring on this planet. The Teutonic plate shifts shifting is causing the earthquakes, it's causing the increase in volcanic eruptions as well. Those things, those earthquakes coupled with global warming, I'm not totally taping, taking that off the map, right? And other things that are occurring is affecting our atmosphere. But scientists have also come out and what they keep doing is dropping breadcrumbs because they don't think nobody's going to be smart enough to put it all together to make a loaf of bread. But Jesus is the bread of life. And he is, so their little breadcrumbs to me are part of the whole loaf. And I can see what's happening right now. One of the things that came out recently and said, this was a breadcrumb listener, that the Atlantic Ocean is slowing down. Well, what would make the, Atlant the mighty Atlantic Ocean slow down? Because it, it spins like water going down a drain. If you ever look at water going down a drain, it spins very quickly. This spinning um, causes the deeper waters in the Atlantic to stay inside of that vortex. So if the Atlantic Ocean starts to slow down enough, those deeper waters are going to be released and it's going to have a, a tremendous effect on coastlines all over the world that touches the Atlantic. Another thing as proof that something is happening is our, there's a pole, major pole shift that is occurring on this planet right now. Our magnetic poles are moving tremendously and we're in the process of having a pole shift where our magnetic poles are totally gonna flip. Something is causing that. Something massive is causing all these things we've been talking about tonight. Something massive. It's not just occurring just to be occurring. But if you listen to the governments, the world governments, they're trying to convince us that is what's happening. Oh, it's just occurring on its own. You know, it's just a sign of the times. Oh, it's just what's happening. The earth will settle itself out. Well, I, once again, going back to what that one pastor was saying on YouTube, the earth is a disposable planet. It even talks about it in the Bible that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Well, if there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, that means the old earth has to be gone. It tells you in the Bible that the old earth is going to go away. It says it. And there's enough proof in second heaven to show that we're in trouble. So, yeah, I get it. Everybody wants to clean up the planet and, and stop all this and stop all that. Well, you should to show love and respect for what God has done, for what he has given us. We should take care of our planet. I'm all for anybody that's willing to do that. But you should do it realistically knowing that no matter what we do, the earth is going to get destroyed one day. It's going to get destroyed one day. And the beautiful thing is, listener, if you don't want to be here when it happens, and I got a feeling no man knoweth the day of the hour of Christ's return, but it did say we would know the season. It did say it's up for kings and queens to seek the knowledge of God. These things are in the Bible. So God has given us enough, quote, unquote, 
bonus-sized breadcrumbs from looking at second heaven to tell you something big and major is about to occur. The earth is paying homage to that by things occurring on this earth. And in the next lesson, man knows it too, because statistically there's some things occurring with humanity that has never ever occurred before. So we all know something's not right. You may not come out in that minute, but everybody's in panic mode. We'll talk about that next week. So <clears throat> there is a object in space that a lot of people were talking about. It's called Nibiru, also known as the um, 12th planet. And a lot of people think Nibiru is not real, but there are some things in the Bible that kind of reflect to the fact that Nibiru might be real and more than likely is real. So Nibiru itself means, um, I think it means, it's Sumerian for 12th planet. <laughs> it's <laughs> Sumerian for the 12th planet. And it enters our solar system every 3,600 years. Supposedly it sits out at the edge of our solar system. It has, it's a brown dwarf. So it basically sheds no light. Like our sun is not a brown dwarf. So if you look up in the sky in the middle of the day, it'll burn your eyes because it's shedding light. It's throwing off light. Well, a brown dwarf doesn't throw off light. So unless you have the right lens on your telescope, you just probably really wouldn't see it unless the sun is reflecting off of it if it's close to the sun. Supposedly, every 3,600 years, this Nibiru um, flies through our solar system. It has its own set of planets. I think there's five or six planets that it has. And there's a lot of scientists that feel that the debris around Mars, the debris out in the Oort cloud and out in that area was caused by a lot of collisions between Nibiru and some of its planets that are flying through here. Nibiru is supposedly five times the size of Jupiter. So if you could fit 1,300 Earths inside of Jupiter, and Nibiru is five times the size of Jupiter, because remember, it's, it's, it's a sun. It's a star. And most galaxies like ours, most solar systems like ours, have what they call a binary sun, which is a twin sun. Nibiru is probably our twin sun. So because it's not as big and as powerful as its bigger brother's sun, it's, it gets sucked in to an orbit around our sun. And the last time it was here, more than 3,600 years ago, there are some scientists and theologians who stated that it helped cause the great flood of Noah. Well, guess what? It's in the neighborhood again. And I'm going to prove to you that NASA is covering up something that's out there in space, Brother Rob. So we're going to do this again. Listener, Brother Rob, I want you to type in Google Sky. Let me know when you have it, Brother Rob. And then type in, what is that? Google Sky. Okay. In your browser. Okay. And it should come up, www.googlesky.com. Uh, sky so open that right. up mm -hmm. yeah, i have it open and you should see a picture of outer space right 
And at the bottom, you see solar system, constellation, show, uh, Hubble showcase, backyard, astronomy, blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. You see that? Those headers at the yeah. bottom? What yeah. I want you to hit is constellations. Okay. And go to Virgo, which should be the last one on the right. Okay. When you click on Virgo, you're going to see the outline of Virgo. All right. Now, what I want you to do now is in the top right corner area, mm -hmm. that's right, right where the space is still at, you're going to see a, a heading that says infrared. Okay. You see it? Yep. Click it. Okay. And if you look on your screen mm -hmm. in the constellation of Virgo, there is a rectangular space and trust me we're looking at outer space from a distance in a telescope at the time this picture was taken uh that in that picture is blacked out there's a sector of space that was blacked out by nasa you oh okay i see it yeah you see it you may have to yeah. make it bigger based on your screen size this is not a naturally occurring phenomena this is because NASA controls Google Sky. This is NASA going in and purposefully blacking out this sector of space. Why? Because in 2015, there were several scientists that were talking about Nibiru. They were sent telling people where they could see it through mm -hmm. a telescope, or you can go here if you're in Mexico or Canada and other places. I can't remember exactly where. And they said you should be able to see it at certain parts of the day where it almost seems like there's two suns in the sky. Because our sun, was, Nibiru was reflecting light from our sun onto it in certain places on the globe. So it looked like there was a halo of another sun. And people saw it, people were taking pictures of it, and they were starting to ask their government questions, what is that? And right. that's when they, the big cover-up continued. Um, but it's right there, you can see it for yourself. Listener, I'm not making this up. NASA is covering up something. I think that something is Nibiru. Nibiru, Nibiru. I think it's here. I think it's going to have a catastrophic, catastrophic developments on this planet that go into a line with what's in Revelation. I think God is going to use Nibiru, some of the planets affiliated with it, Jupiter, other meteors, long-range meteors, whatever he wants to make what's written in Revelation during the tribulation period occur. And you could say, well, and I'm sure a lot of you listening are saying this. Well, if God is that powerful to create a universe, galaxies, our galaxy, a planet in the middle of nowhere in that galaxy to sustain life, create us. If he wanted to just destroy the earth, he could just blink and we will all be gone. But no, he purposely set up all these things in motion in second heaven to give us a chance to find it so that we can get our act together. Because his wish is not to destroy us. His wish is for all of us, his creation, mankind, to be in heaven with him. But during the tribulation period, the people who are going to be on this earth at the time who are going to get punished are the people who don't believe 
God exists. Don't believe he's om omnipresent, omnipotent. He is the great I am. They don't believe any of that. They're non-believers. Most of them that are going to be on this planet at the time are going to be non-believers. So you're going to have the Jewish nation. The Jews are still going to be here, most of them. You're going to have the non-believers. Quite a few of them are going to be satanic, Satan worshipers. And then you're going to have the ones who gave their life to Jesus at some point, but didn't do the works. We didn't get this beautiful gift of life from Jesus so we could sit on it and say, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, and I can just, ha, 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 I'm going into heaven one day. Yeah, you probably will, but that doesn't mean you're going to get raptured or puzzled, snatched away. It says in the word, I believe it's in Ephesians, or, that I did not point you to this time of great wrath, to this hour of wrath, meaning that God does not intend for any of his true believers, those who have kept his, his doctrine, who love him with all their heart, who he is their God, he did not intend, he does not intend for us to have to go through the rapture because it's going to be craziness on this planet. And I already told Brother Rob, listener, I'm not going to go and preach or talk anything about what's going to happen during the rapture because I feel there's enough movies <laughs> and, and post-apocalyptic this and that for you to get sort of a bird's eye view. I think if you take all the post-apocalyptic movies, 2012, all these other movies and roll it up into one uh, colossal movie and multiply it times a million that's probably close to what the uh tribulation period is going to feel like so i don't plan on being here i know brother rob don't plan on being here i want to be part of the snatched away i want to be at, at, the, at the in god's present in heaven watching it from that vantage point where i'm nice and safe listener if you want to be on that boat if you want to be one of the ones that's going to be snatched away, you only have to do two things. It is so one of those. One, give your life to Jesus. Admit you are sinful creatures. You don't have all the answers. Listener, I'm telling you now, you have none of the answers. You have none of the answers. Quit allowing the world to dupe you into believing that all oh, this is just a big hoax and nothing's going to happen. You do the research. I've done the research. God gave me most of the information I gave you tonight. He said, go look here and you'll find this. The Holy Ghost gave me most of this information. Okay, the rest I found because he, the Holy Ghost pointed me in the right direction. And then he showed me how to put together the breadcrumbs to make sense of everything. And we all know that there's something happening. Something is not right. Quit allowing our governments to lie to you, to tell you that this whole thing is, oh, you're going to be okay. Based on what? Based on what? Oh, the proof is out there. I'm not making this stuff. I didn't make up Apophis. Apophis is there. What do you think is going to happen, listener, when this thing is 29,000 miles from the surface of this planet? What do you think is really going to happen? right? You do the math. So this is the time now to put down all our petty differences, to end the, these, this hatred and distinction. Look, I mean, we're going to talk about next week what man is doing or not doing on this planet. 
uh, based on the timeline that we're in. But we're at the 11th hour and 59th minute of Christ's return. And it could happen any day now, people. We got to quit playing around with God's plan of salvation for us. So once you've admitted to the Lord Jesus that you are a sinful creature, that you want him to forgive you of your sins, you believe that he did die for our sins so that we don't have to die ourselves, then you, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. You've done the, the most major thing in your lifetime you ever could have done. Then after that, you need to continue to be fed in the word. Get into a Bible-based church that's really telling you the truth. A lot of churches are afraid to tell the truth, don't know the truth, or they're covering up the truth. A lot of churches are doing that because they don't want to offend. Churches become a big social club because we don't want to offend anyone. So we're not going to talk about uh, what, what, what's in the Bible that God wants us to tell people. Well, I'm not afraid to tell people the truth based on what God has told me to tell. If God tells me to tell you, listener, blah, 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 I'm sorry. I'm going to tell you blah, 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 because I love you. But I'm going to be obedient to the word of God. So get into the word. You got to read your Bible. You got to pray. Get into a good Bible-based church that's going to tell you the truth so you can continue to learn and grow and do the things that God wants you to do. You have to bear fruit. You just can't be that beautiful tree that God plants in his garden, and that's it. Any tree that you plant, what are you going to do if it's not bearing any fruit? It doesn't matter how, you know, nobody wants this to twigs just sitting there in the middle of their beautiful garden. If you're not producing flowers or fruit, what do most people do in their gardens? They pull you out and they put a plant there that will grow. I know my wife does it all the time. If one of her flowers she put in is not working right, she takes it out and puts another one there. Well, God would do the same thing to us. So do not play with your plan of salvation. Do not play with it at all. So brother Rob, that's some heavy duty stuff that we- uh, it's a lot to chew on. <laughs> <laughs> Some heavy-duty stuff we talked about tonight. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts uh, before we shut it down for tonight? No, I think it's a good discussion, and it's always interesting to see where astronomy plays and to how things are viewed and what may be evidence of what we're what we've been told in the Bible. So I think you know, if anything, from that angle, it's very interesting to hear what is being foretold just by looking up at the sky. And also looking up at the information that's being withheld from us about this guy. So, you know, I think there's a lot of angles that we can look at this topic. And I think it was a great discussion about Revelations 12 and the second part of it. So, uh, you know, I think it's uh, something that the def listener can definitely chew on. And I hope the listener also takes time to actually visit our websites at uh, the social media sites where we're present, especially our Facebook, and uh, leave a comment. You know, after you listening and listen to this podcast, you know, give us your two cents. Tell us what you think in terms of what uh, Brother Fred has uh, given us this evening. So, uh, very interesting, very interesting discussion. So, with that said, uh, do you want to close this out? Yes, sir. And before I do that, uh, listeners, you can find our podcast on Podbean, Amazon Music, Pandora iHeartRadio. I also put links on uh, Facebook and Twitter. All you have to do is put in DBSG, which stands for Discipleship Bible Study Group, and you'll find our wonderful, beautiful logo that God gave us, and uh, 
go in and listen and have a good time. That's what this is all about. I'm not trying to put anybody down. I'm just telling you the truth based on what the information God gave me to tell you, listener. It's all about the love because Jesus loved us. I love you. Brother Rob loves you. So let's bond together and uh, don't be afraid to come out and stand on the truth. And the truth is there is something going on out there. They're hiding it from us. They're not going to tell us the truth. What they, what they really want to happen in second heaven, when this stuff starts popping off and they have no control over it, then they're going to try to act as a surprise as everybody else. But the simple truth is they're going to be surprised because of the magnitude of what's going to happen, but they're not going to be surprised that it happened. I'm telling you that right now because they know it's going to happen. They really do. So I want to close out and say, dear Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you once again, dear Lord, for giving us your words of truth and encouragement. Continue to guide us to seek your knowledge, Father God, to seek your faith, to lead us in the areas where you want us to go into, Father God. There is nothing more important to any of us that are believers, dear Lord, than to lead others to you so they can escape this great wrath. It is coming. It is coming. Grandma was not wrong, Father God. So we just want to continue to say thank you, thank you, thank you, dear Lord, for loving us. Thank you for being kind to us. Thank you for standing on your words of honor and truth and love and devotion, dear Lord. Thank you for forgiving us for our sins, Father God. We ask all these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen and amen. 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 And that's it. That's our episode for the podcast for this evening. Uh, please stay tuned as we're going to do a part three on what you heard today and last week about Revelation 12s. And I hope that you stick around and visit us next week for the next lesson. So I know there's going to be a lot for us just as there was for us today. So with that said, listener, God bless you and have a nice week. See you soon.